The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Here we are in the bleachers with our pseudo beginning of the bleacher blums. We've been chatting here for about 15 minutes. Hold on a sec. I need glasses. Nine minutes and 30 seconds. But uh, the bleachers are open. This is the Bleacher Blums podcast. I am your co-host, Jeff Blum. On the other side, I've got my co-host, David Tuttle. We, we are in the thick of some good times as far as sports is concerned because we have gotten through the AL, almost through the ALDS. The Yankees, for the love of God, are trying to beat the Cleveland Indians. We'll talk about that a little bit. Guardians. I'm going to ask Tuttle if he was commissioner for a day, what he what he would do for, if he was commissioner for a day. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit, give him time to think about that. I've, got, I've had one request for the last 20 years I've been in baseball. And I will reveal that later on in this podcast. But uh, what's on tap? Brought to you by St. Arnold has got what, Tuttle? What do we got? We have uh, Saturday. I do not typically find myself sitting in front of the television. I thought Saturday was probably one of the best sports days I've had in a long, 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 long time. And, of course, that was my gut feeling. And then I wake up on Monday morning and read an article about from nine dudes that say Saturday might have been one of the best sports days of all time. So <laughs> I guess I wasn't alone in that thinking. But, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday, and I feel pretty confident in that. I mean, we had the USC game at night, the football game. Alabama was, I don't know if it's an upset, beat by Tennessee. The Padres were down 3 nothing going into the sixth or seventh inning. That was a fantastic game. Uh, the Phillies, and then you had the Guardians and a comeback win over the Yankees. I mean, every, oh, and of course the Astros played two games, but it wasn't a doubleheader. So, I mean, <laughs> what a, I, I seriously, I think I went out to dinner. Yeah. I went out to dinner and the game was in the seventh inning and I came back mm-hmm. and I was turned on football and I looked at, I'm like, oh, I got to see what the Astros score was. I'm sure they won. You know, it was a, it was a barn burn. It was in the 15th inning. So I went to dinner from the seventh to the 15th. It was still on. I got to watch four more innings of baseball, 15, 16, 17. So anyway, I know this on tap. We'll get, we'll get to the rest of that. But Saturday, one of the best sports days I can remember in the, in the, uh, you know, I guess in the near past, near future, um, and let's see. Oh, obviously, we'll talk about playoff baseball. Um, Dave Roberts, it sounds like, is going to be coming back as the manager of the Dodgers, manager of the Dodgers. But I have some thoughts what about is that. Is he the manager 
of the Dodgers. We'll talk Thank about you. that. Thank you. And that's perfect. And that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. And that that isn't just relegated to the Dodgers either. I mean, the nope. Yankees are in that category. There are some other teams that are following suit, so we'll we'll get deeper into that. And then of course our fantasy football matchup of the week is gonna it's gonna be the bangers against prestige worldwide. And Mr. Blum has some guys on bye. I think I have Dalvin Cook on a bye, so that doesn't, you know, bode too well. But we're both on a two game winning streak. And we got to see. That means one of us is going to come out of this week. I didn't even think about that with a three. Two hottest teams in our league are getting after it. (laughs) That's right. So that's what's on tap. Brought to you by St. Arnold. And uh, why don't we get into it? We were chit-chatting before, but uh, thank you, St. Arnold. And uh, let's start. Why don't we start at the top? Why don't we start with good baseball stuff? Or what? How about this? A question always works. What did you think about Saturday's sporting events, and what uh, what part did you get to partake in? Did you watch a lot of football, or did you get stuck with baseball, oh or gosh. did you actually did you know it was a great sports weekend? No, I think we all knew it was a great sports weekend. You know, Saturday always lends itself to a lot of very good college football, and we're right in the middle of the season. I granted this upcoming week there's going to be some powder puffs mixed in there, but it was really interesting to watch that UT Alabama game. Um, I, I know I do promos for Xfinity, but I do you have a remote that you can talk to? I do. I mean, usually yeah. I watch Apple TV and it tells me, you know, so Siri, okay. of course, I can talk to so Siri. So I'm chat. I'm just chatting up my Xfinity remote. I'm like, you know, UT Alabama. I'm like, NBC, Fox. I'm like going back and forth. A CBS had the Arkansas game on. So I'm going back and forth through the Arkansas game and BYU. I'm, I'm watching baseball. I'm watching this. My family was going nuts. And uh, my daughter actually came back from Arkansas for her fall break. So <laughs> good to see you, babe. And I just sat on the t- on the on the couch flipping channels on TV. So <laughs> a lot of my talking was to my remote instead of my my daughter who was home for a week. But uh, you know, it, it let it lended itself to a lot of homecoming, getting ready. You know, that was what was going on in the background of what I was doing. So it really worked out well. Where. Girls are getting their hair done, putting on dresses, makeup, getting ready, he he he, going on in the background while I'm just completely locked in because I'm worthless. You know, I, I lost my touch with hairdos when ponytails went out of style. I don't know how you were, Tuttle, but I lost it. Yeah. But I was flipping channels. I was loving every minute of it. And by the end of it, like you said, I was exhausted, man, because we we took the girls, we took pictures at, at homecoming and you know, I don't know if you can imagine this, but I'm sitting there, you know, homecoming pictures and I'm faking like I'm taking pictures when I'm actually watching the Astros game on my phone. I'm like, oh, that's a great smile. Hey, look over here. And I'm going, oh, dang, that's tied up in the 14th. And we did the <laughs> same thing where we went, we're, Corey's like, let's go to dinner. I'm like, sure. Can we go to this place? Because I know there's TVs. We go have dinner. You know, the waitress is taking her time. It's a full house on a Saturday. Everything's moving in slow motion, yet inning after inning just kept getting ticked off that game. And the Astros have Luis Garcia in. He's pitching six shutout innings in a in an 18-inning game. And we pack up, pay the bill, go home. And I swear to you, the second I walked in the door, hug my daughter, you know, getting back, I'm like, hey, what are you doing tonight? She looks over my shoulder at the TV and goes, they scored. Here's the pitch. And he drives this one to left center field. Back on it, Rodriguez. Onto the warning track, see it rise! See it rise! The Astros lead 1-0 on the Jack from Pena! That's what they've been waiting for! And Jeremy Pena hit that home run and eventually closed that game out. But dude, that was just an epic ending to a day. And it's crazy to think that I was tired. 
I didn't even play and I was tired. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. And I know you're tied to the Astros, maybe even more so obviously than Mr. Left Coast here. But Luis Garcia um, really pitched his butt off. I think, I don't know Man, if he gets dude. a start. Yeah, if he gets a start in the ALCS, but it's got to be really comforting to know that Arquiti and Garcia are hanging out down there, um, staying sharp and ready to go. Because I think obviously that was the difference. I mean, we started looking at Scott yeah. Service's list, and they always put like how many pitchers they have left, and they had Murphy in there, and then they Robbie Ray, and I'm like, well, you know, there's no reason to get to that spot, and Murphy's like a yeah, he's like a one inning guy or a two inning guy maybe, and he's just not used to you know going mm-hmm. through the lineup twice Great for sure. Point. And I think that was the biggest advantage for the Astros. But, I mean, my thing was I got home from dinner, same thing. We had an early dinner, uh, USC, uh, Utah, and Utah was going nuts. And Mm -hmm. uh, they scored and made it uh, 42-41 with about 30 seconds left in the game. And what do they do? They go for two. And they beat uh, USC 43-42. I'm not a USC fan, so I was fine with that. But, man. What a what a way to end! And you gotta just love at home going for two in college is just everything. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, everything was on the line at that point. Um, the Alabama game. Alabama tried a long field goal with about 15 seconds left. They missed it. Tennessee gets one play. They kick a field goal and they win it. The the fans obviously rush the field, which that we've talked about before. Like what constitutes a rushing the field moment that is but they tore down the goalposts and threw them in the river if anybody's ever <laughs> right, been to knoxville doing? so now there's a twitter or probably not just twitter but an internet uh campaign to uh get some donations to refurbish the uh you know and replace and replenish the goalposts in tennessee so those those people went nuts we didn't even get into the padres game where i'm somewhat anti-dodger i mean I like the Dodgers. I respect the Dodgers, but you know, if they have to lose to the Giants or the Padres or whoever else is up next, I'm okay with that. And mm-hmm. man, they were dominating that game, three nothing. Uh, the Padres couldn't put anything together, and they scored a you know they got a five spot there in the seventh inning, and really ch- obviously changed the shape of that game. And there is nothing like we, you know, how the weather is out here in California. There is nothing what, like watching what was going on. 60,000 San Diegans dancing in the rain, like guys with shirts off. It was pouring out what here. What is it going was on? So, yeah. <laughs> the that apocalypse is coming. World, man. It was bizarre world because you they even they mentioned it on the broadcast how many times the tarp has been out, right? He asked uh, Tony Gwynn's son, Tony Gwynn Jr., like, hey, how many times <laughs> the tarp been out? He's like, I can remember two times the tarp being out on uh, Petco Park's field. So anyway, Seriously. but man, watching six, that was like a nightclub, 60,000 people bouncing up dude, and down. To, it. You know, yeah, dude. Oh, it was great. So anyway, what a fantastic sports day. I really enjoyed it. It was a long day. I was tired, but man, you don't get days like that very often. And no, I was happy to happy to be watching it and I guess participating. And the Guardians came back in the bottom of the ninth and beat the Yankees. That was another little piece in there, as well as the Phillies uh, surprising the Braves. And I would say surprising, meaning the Phillies were not the favorites. But man, after two games of that series, I think everybody kind of knew the Phillies were bringing the truth. I don't know. What What do you think about the Phillies moving forward and the Phillies in this mix? I think San Diego is the hotter team. You mentioned it before, but yeah, well, it, it, so there's a, man, there's a lot to unpack in this series and I hope it sparks some ideas from you. And, you know, I'm always curious to hear what you think, because, you know, that's the beauty of sports is we all watch it a little bit differently, but 
I honestly felt like the Padres had a better chance of beating the Dodgers than the Phillies beating the Braves. And the only reason I say that is because San Diego spent an absolute fortune to put this team together. And granted, they still don't have Fernando Tatis Jr., which maybe they don't need because they have really, you know, Bob Melvin has brought those guys together and made them believers. They're doing just enough. And I think that's that in the playoff terms, you know, doing just enough is all you need because you're not, you're not looking for run differentials. You're not looking for, you know, wins above replacement. You're not looking for fit. You're just looking to win because that is all the postseason is about. And I felt like if the, if the Padres, if the Padres got enough starting pitching, they had a chance to beat the Dodgers because I don't like the Dodgers bullpen at all. And I know that you want to get into that a little bit because of, of Dave Roberts. And I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm now believing that there's more going on behind the scenes in L.A. than we maybe thought before. Because you and I are both friends with Dave Roberts and we think the world of him. He's a great dude. I think he's a good manager. But I think there's something seeping into that situation that kind of – altered their path or their arc this season because of the way the bullpen was used. And in that series, just to give you an idea, the three losses to the to the Padres, the bullpen gave up seven earned runs, eight total for a 4.61 ERA in 13 and two-thirds innings. They gave up two home runs and, and walked eight. So it was, it was that bullpen that really faltered for Dave Roberts. So I'm not thoroughly shocked by the Padres, the Phillies one is the one that blew me away. I didn't realize that the Atlanta Braves, as good as they were, could go as ice cold as they did in that series. But you mentioned it, talking about this series, man, the Phillies look possessed going out there and playing against the Braves. And it's going to be an interesting series between an 89-win team in the Padres and an 87-win team in the Phillies. What did you take away from those two? Great. Great insight. Um, I love when you bring the statistics because my eyeballs tell me one thing, and now the statistics back it up. Um, the I Phillies, love that part and, too. yeah, yeah. And this is going to get into. We'll probably get into that after our little commercial break about Dave Roberts because the eyeball tells you one thing, the statistics back it up, and I, I feel like that's disjointed uh, around baseball right now. Um, the top twelve payroll teams in baseball nine of them were in the playoffs so i mean the guardians the only one in the lower half so we still have the payroll i think it was red Sox, um white Sox, and one other team did not make it that probably uh red Sox, white Sox, and one other team anyway so nine out of the 12 angels have a high payroll Mm, so those are the only uh, those are the three that didn't make it out of the top 12 payroll so we still have you know, most of the teams in the playoffs, you know, are high payroll teams. So that's fine. But the way they use their payroll is different. Now, uh, the Phillies, just as you said, they look like a team possessed. The Padres play like a team possessed and they're playing very, mm-hmm. very good. Um, as you like to say, Blummer, complimentary baseball is happening. Yeah. But I, I think when you look at the Phillies Padres series, now, you know, we analyze the other series as well. And that was where Atlanta got the advantage was the pitching. I mean, the Phillies are kind of a one starter, right? They got Nola and then everybody else kind of falls in line after Seriously, that. Seriously, you're right. So I, yeah. So I think that's going to make it tough for the Phillies to continue on. But their bullpen got hot. We saw that with the Braves last year. A hot bullpen works wonders. I think the, uh, the guy I was most impressed with is the, is the Padres guy, 75, um, number 75. He came out of the – that guy, he was unbelievable. He was a 31-year-old rookie or something, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yep, 31-year-old – see, we can't even see him. I think his last name Suarez. I want to say yeah. Hector Suarez. But anyway, dude, 
That guy's nasty. In the rain, he was throwing 98 with a split finger. I was like, what? Yeah, but where did he find throwing... that split change thing, whatever the hell it was, yeah, man? Yeah. That thing was I unbelievable. But like you said, back, but he was locating 98 on the outside, yeah. like perfectly. Exactly. Yep. There it is. What is Suarez? I need my glasses. It is Suarez. I know. Seriously, right? I'm doing yep. the same. Robert. Thing. There in. we go. Robert Suarez. So yeah. anyway, I mean, the, and that just shows how, you know, how inexperienced they are with a guy that nobody knows coming out of the bullpen. But my point is, I think their bullpen, the Padres bullpen, is hotter at the right time. Um, so I do think exactly. we say good pitching and you know good pitching and defense will beat good hitting. And I think the 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 Padres are probably going to outlast the Phillies because, as you already mentioned, it doesn't matter. Eighty nine wins, eighty seven wins, they're both hot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the Astros, um, I asked our producer Mark this before we got on the air. Hey, look, you have the Astros and either the Yankees or the Guardians. Who do you want as a true Astros fan? And he flipped a coin, right? He said it's 50-50 because you want to be careful what you wish for, man. Tito Mm -hmm. knows how to manage. I do think with the good pitching that the Astros have, they can, you know, kind of eliminate or reduce both those teams offensively. But it could be an advantage to play the Guardians as an unbiased observer because their offense just doesn't seem to have any sort of rhythm or any sort of... They don't seem to get hot, right? And have like a, they don't put up a crooked number. So I, you know, I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent, but you know, you know what those games are going to be. And, you know, the Astros can pitch against anybody. So I don't know. What do you think about that in terms of the Astros and then who they're going to face? Yeah. So Cleveland and New York are interesting because I, like you said, this is where it gets, gets kind of odd is I, I like the Astros pitching against the Cleveland Indian offense. I like it against the New York Yankee offense because we actually have a a very good track record on that. As good as the Yankees can go out there and slug, they are a high swing and miss team. They've made a few changes. Uh, I believe with Cabrera out there in left field and Hayter is now in center field. They they mix and match their shortstop with Kiner Falefa. So those are those are somewhat contact guys. But at the same time, overall, the Yankees are heavy on the swing and miss. So the Astros obviously play well against that because they have so many guys that can create swing and miss. The issue I have is Yankee pitching against Astro offense. Bring it. Uh, you know, there's nobody. Clayton Holmes is the only guy out of that bullpen I really fear. Garrett Cole is really their only true horse in that in that rotation, and. The way things are setting up, you may not even get to a second start from Garrett Cole because of the way this series has worked against Cleveland. Uh, he's the, the only two wins this postseason for New York where Garrett Cole starts. So that's what's kind of interesting about this situation, too. I don't fear Nestor Cortez, Severino, Domingo Herman, whoever else they've got. They about burned out Loisaga in their bullpen, who's absolutely filthy. They're protecting uh, Clayton Holmes, not letting him pitch. That might have an impact on the outcome of this series. Yeah. But on the other side, the Cleveland Indians pitching, Tristan McKenzie, uh, you know, Bieber, and then you have Quantrill in that rotation. So there's three good to great starters. And then you have guys in the bullpen. They have a couple of no-name guys that I don't even remember that are stepping up. And then you have Karen Check and then Klaus Say. I don't know if you've seen his numbers or his stuff, but this dude's a joke, man. (laughs) He's a joke. I don't know. It's like some, you know, some, uh, you know, RBI baseball game or Nintendo where they just developed this guy and said, what if we could have a guy throwing over a hundred miles an hour with cut? And then they invented class A and all of a sudden he can locate and he's been lights out. So that's the part that fears me. Cause if, if you have the Indians, you better be mentally prepared and get the Maalox or the Tums tablets, whatever it is, or your drink of choice, because there goes, those are going to be high intensity 
close games because they can play good defense. They hustle. I like their style of game, but they don't. They just don't have enough firepower. And I think the Astros win against either of those teams. But that's that Guardians series. I probably said Indians earlier, but the Guardians are going to be a tough matchup. Where I feel like the the Yankees. Between the expectation and knowing already that the, what the Astros have done to them may be already beat before they get in there, because they're already making excuses about the rainouts and the lack of, yeah. you know, lack of rest and things like that. You know, isn't it funny to be a, an Astros fan or an Astros employee or just living in the city of Houston, which we know most of our listeners uh, at least currently are. To be going, yep, let's see, Guardians, these young club, or the Yankees, let's take the Yankees, bring on the Yankees. And based on what you <laughs> said, Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole's their one guy, their one horse, and the Astros are very familiar with him as well. And you know what? You would give up a win or two in that. I mean, all you got to do is win four. <laughs> so, hey, if you can get to Cortez, right. or like you said, I mean, even the bullpen, I mean, and, you know, anyway, I think we got it. I think the Astros, you you hung up jerseys in the back. I mean, I think the Astros and the Padres, typically on this, I know we want to we want to cause a little tension and maybe have some animosity. But uh, I got to agree with you. The Phillies bats are hot. But if we're going to go back and, you know, continue to talk about Bob Melvin, which we talked about when he mm, got hired yep. for the Padres. I mean, we can go back and listen 50 podcasts ago and hear our thoughts about Bob Melvin as a manager. But Bob Melvin managing, um, and we got to stick to pitching and defense, which we continually talk about wins games in the playoffs, then it has to be the Padres winning there. And I think the Astros, you know, same thing. Uh, they're, they're, collective team with the pitching and defense that they have. I mean, they just showed what they can do for 18 innings. Um, if you're only going to give them nine innings to do that, I think they'd be mm -hmm. fine as well. So I think we're aligned there. It'll be Astros, Padres in the in the World Series. Now, let's take a quick break. I want When we come back, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, it all relates to Dave Roberts um, in terms of the managing, in terms of the style of baseball, but a lot of it has to do with like multiple innings. You mentioned they're protecting Clayton Holmes. Ian Snell's mm -hmm. start against the Dodgers came up uh, this year, and yeah. then they let him go an extra inning. So those two things, when we come back, I'd like to talk about. So let's take a quick break here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we'll be right back. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network to the Bleacher Blums Podcast. I don't think we said this at the outset, but uh, it's me, David Tuttle, with my co-host, Jeff Blum. Blummer, you can get at us on Instagram, uh, at Blummer27, myself, at Real David Tuttle. 
And you can see us both on Twitter, me rarely, Blummer more often at the same handle, Blummer27, myself at Real David Tuttle, and then of course bleacherblums.com. There's a Bleacher Blums uh, short hops on YouTube. Our producer Mark Ramos is also uh, Ram Shirts, Crush City Tees. So he's got t shirts there. Um, one of Jeff Blum's co workers is a. Uh, making a killing over there too. So anyway, um, make sure you visit all of the uh, the outlets that you can to get our swag for the playoffs. And you might even get a sup from Mr. Blum. Um, as, as we discussed before, um, baseball does seem to be changing. And I always felt like, hey, we're on this podcast and we provide insight based on our experience, you know, our professional experience. You as a 14-year major league baseball player, myself as, you know, nine years of professional baseball and been around the game quite a bit. And uh when the when the layperson, when the regular air quotes, when the GP fan says, GP. Oh my God, what's happening out there? And that's the scuttlebutt, then you gotta think there's something wrong. Like it's one thing to debate like between you and I saying, you know, gosh, I think he should pitch the guy in here and you know, he either lets one drift away or he tries to go soft away and something happens. And we now have a debate on why that happened. But when everybody in America is screaming at their television, um, then I think there's something wrong. So this will lead into two topics. One is they talked about Clayton Holmes and trying not to pitch him day after, you know, two days in a row and he's coming back from an arm strain. And then the other little piece of that is um, what started this topic for me was uh, Snell pitching. So Snell pitched in the World Series for the Rays against the Dodgers in 2020. And in the sixth inning, he was at like 75, 80 pitches and they took him out of the game. And we all know what happened there. The Dodgers won the World Series and it kind of went haywire. At this time of year as a player, you're a manager, Jeff. So what, what, I mean, what do you pay these guys for? It's guaranteed money. So you're, you're not saving him for next year, right? He's going to get paid. So as a player, he wants to play. Um, the analytics, we've talked about the eyeball test, but Snell, now Melvin left him in a little bit longer, but not that long. But I mean, mm -hmm. if you're at 85 pitches and you're normally 110, 120 a start, like, I don't know, unless you're in big trouble, unless there's not I don't know. I was watching Snell throw 97 with like an 88 mile an hour slider that looked pretty damn good. No, what, explore those feelings. I have thoughts, but explore those feelings. Yeah. I don't want you to. Hold no, I'm that. just saying, yeah. like what, like what is what is the manager thinking? I mean, I just think it's paralysis by analysis. What are they thinking? They can't. They he can't throw the next day. So you're in game four here, right? Uh, the Padres are up two to one in terms of games. They were down. Uh, two nothing or three nothing at the time. I guess it was two nothing. Um, like, why don't you ride your horse? Like, Verlander's not being thought about being taken out. Cole's not being because you're behind. You need your best guy to stay in the game. But it seems like now in the last three or four years, game after game, starter after starter, reliever after reliever, we are looking at this going. Oh no no no! Don't take him. Oh. And they take him out, and then something happens. It, it almost accelerates the game. It's almost like the hitters yeah. are now in the game. And now these guys are coming in for two hitters, and then somebody else is coming in. And they're just, it just, it's like, it's almost like the yellow caution flag in a race. And the mm -hmm. yellow caution flag's there while the starter's in. It's two nothing. It's two nothing. And then they drop the yellow flag, and now it's like last, and now, now it's a mask, like chaos, like baseball should be relaxed. I, I don't understand what they're doing. So tell me what you think has changed, if anything, and why are we so 
as managers and baseball people, why why are the starters not going deeper into games? Well, let, let me ask you this before I go into that rant because I actually have an answer yeah. for that question. Is yeah. and I you know talk we've talked to guys who co- we played for good coaches, we played for bad mm-hmm. coaches, we've played for good managers, bad managers. Mm-hmm. I've had the chance to talk to guys. And there, some of these, you know, Larry Durker was the guy that always said this to me. And I asked him about changing some of those pitchers because he was a pitcher. He was old school and he got into the managerial spot and he left guys in forever, it felt like. But the reason he did that is, and this is what he said, a direct quote. He goes, I would sit there, I would walk out to the mound and I would look the pitcher in the eye and go, are you a better option than that guy in that bullpen? And it depended on the situation. It depended on the number of pitches. But Durker always erred on the side of the guy on the mound currently who's pitching a very good game is a better option for me than that guy in the bullpen. Right. Does that, does I, that make sense? Even as good as it the bullpen It makes perfect is, sense. But that guy at that moment is the better option. Right. Absolutely. That's asking Verlander some questions. Now, you already brought up a guy named Emmanuel Classe. If you've gone seven and a third and you're on the Guardians roster and Tito comes out and says, hey, are you about, you're like, all right, I gave it all I had today. (laughs) Give it to the guy throwing 100 with a cutter and all he has to do is get five outs. That's right. And so (laughs) I think that's that's where that makes, I mean, look at that. We agree on that too. It's logical. So you have to have that bridge guy, but that's how the Astros bullpens formed a little bit differently is you have high leverage guys coming in in the sixth and seventh innings. So when Verlander is kind of like, man, I gave it everything I've got here, hand the ball to... Hector Neris, Ryan Stanek, yeah. pick a name. Yeah. I mean, these guys yeah. are frigging lights out. So you're kind of like, yeah, this is a good – but, I mean, that's the only way I think you could actually justify it is if a guy coming out of the bullpen is that much better. Right. Not just or, a lateral move, but that that much better. Right, or if you're just completely tanked out, right? Now you're in the fourth yeah, inning, the bases are loaded, you're struggling. Like That's a whole different d- d- yeah. uh, discussion. So that does lead us to DR. So Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers. My, I have two things on this before you get to go to your rant because it all relates. So yes. Dave Roberts got uh, a vote of confidence yesterday, at least here in the local media, and it looks like he's going to be back for another year managing. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um the only way I think that happens is if he's not the one making the decision to pull the pitchers and, you know, and I mean, that's the only way because if you're up in the booth and you're Andrew Friedman or you're whoever else is making the decision, I don't know who that is. As mm-hmm. I've joked about before with other people, there's Mark Pryor and there's Dave Roberts and there's this little dude, he looks like a surfer who's got shoulder shoulder length brown hair that's standing in between them all the time. I want to know who that guy is. But um, <laughs> maybe it's a- Andrew Friedman's little nephew. I don't know. Yeah, quality but, uh, control coach. There you go, quality <laughs> control coach. But, but if the only reason Dave Roberts comes back, they've won eight out of nine American League, I'm sorry, National League West Championships titles. They only have one World Series to show for it. The Braves did the same thing in the 90s. Fantastic team. And they needed to re, you know, kind of regroup every year. And they didn't have the streak that the Dodgers have right now. I mean, they that you know, the Astros are actually the only ones that have kind of fulfilled their promise in this regard. And they're heading to what is it, six or seven American League championships in a row. Six straight. Six straight. That's unbelievable. So anyway, unbelievable. they've fulfilled their promise. So the Dodgers are kind of, you know, 111 wins, didn't make it. Mm-hmm. You know, they won in a, you know, COVID shortened season, but the year, you know, prior to that, they struggled. So I mean, 
Dave Roberts gets the vote of confidence from management saying, you're going to be our manager again. They can't be happy with, we go back to the Clayton Kershaw moves years ago. They must be making the decision. And here's the roundabout way to get, Joe Madden was on uh, Major League uh, Baseball Radio yesterday saying, you have to have all the analytics. You have to know what's going on. You have to be paying attention. And then you have to make the decision during the game that's best for the team, that's best for the situation. That seems like the complete opposite of what the Yankees and the Dodgers are doing. Why is it so Dave, hard, though? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. And so I don't know how Dang we it. can have a rant. So Dave Roberts says they the the in the in game dugout stuff is awesome because Tom mm-hmm. Verducci says, "Hey, Dave, you know uh, it's two nothing, and you're going, you're getting rid of your starter right now." Yeah, he gave us everything we had. It's the sixth inning. We're bringing in Thompson, and then you know we go to Evan Phillips, or we're going to go to so and so, and like, I mean, it's all mapped out like it was at eight a.m. in the morning. It doesn't seem like the Dodgers are reading game situation. And if you get one more inning out of that guy, out of the starter, and then you get one more, now you're, I mean, like, I don't understand. It's what you said before. So how has baseball changed? How is the general fan looking at this going, oh my God, they're making a big mistake. And how how is it being allowed to happen, especially with high payroll, high success oh, teams? So this this is the part I like. I like the idea of analytics. Now let me quanti- let me you know qualify that. I guess <laughs> hey, let I me like- quantify it with analytics. Yeah, I'm trying to quantify it every day. I mean, I'm like the you know I'm like is it Russell Crowe in Beautiful Mind where the numbers are just like flying by, or maybe in Hangover you know when I'm sitting at the ah, blackjack table. There you go. But. I like analytics. They tell a good story and they actually help me do my job. But at the same time, they're only good for 162 games. That's where I think that the Dodgers have kind of nailed it with the analytics because they have they have increased their win probability. They have increased their, their war numbers of their WRC plus to go out and win 111 games, which is awesome. They have the payroll and they have the brains and they have the coaching to put these guys in the right position. All that being said, I think that analytics is only good for 162 games because it's like playing fantasy baseball or fantasy football. You're going on numbers and you're going on probability of what a guy's going to do against a particular team on a particular day. You get into the postseason and these series are condensed. You can't condense a full season of numbers into a five-game series. It just doesn't work. Because if a guy has a, you know, you don't, if you have a bad start, you don't have two or three starts to correct the mistake of that one start. You're in, you're in a bad spot. You're, you're down one game with two games to win, and you can't get back to that win probability guy for another three starts. So to Tuttle's point is you've got to exhaust that guy. If he is your best pitcher, you are going to exhaust it. I believe you're going to exhaust that guy before you get to the bullpen because you don't know if you're ever going to see that guy again. You could lose the next two games. You're out of the division series and you're sitting at home bitching and moaning about the playoff scheduling because you're watching the ALCS championship between the Padres and Phillies. And that's where I think the issue is. And that also goes for hitters too. Dusty Baker, you can his regular season managing is in-game managing is questionable greatly at times. <laughs> you know, wonderful guy, great storyteller, but there's moments in the game during the course of the season you're going, what the, you know, why do we do that? But what he did in game two and game three of the division series may have actually helped the Astros win those games because he pinch hit for guys. He pinch hit for Maldonado with Vasquez halfway through that game, not knowing it was going to go 18, but he had a guy on his bench that was put there by James Click 
to allow him to make that pinch hitting you know position available in the eighth inning and then catch nine more innings and not lose a step. That was kind of the beauty of the analytics and the old school being put together. And then having guys in the bullpen, like you said, with Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy, who have the length to give you the opportunity, but it's also the guts of Dusty Baker making some of the right pitching moves at the right times to shut down the Seattle Mariners and get into that position. Now, think about this, Tuttle. This will actually be, you'll love this. I don't know if you've thought about this. In the National League, you have Bob Melvin as a manager and you have Rob Thompson as a manager. I would say both those guys are kind of old school a little bit. And then on the National League side, or on the American League side, you have Dusty Baker, who's going to be a little bit old school. And what if Tito makes it in? Terry Francona. Those, those four managers, I would argue, are have no, not nothing to do with analytics, but they are definitely on the old school side as opposed to the analytics side. And they're creating a successful team. That's what I think needs to be talked about a little bit more. I like that. That's a really good point. And yeah. you got around, you got around, uh, all the points I made about Dave Roberts and the Yankees and the analytics with one really good did statement. did the same thing. I didn't even have a chance to talk about that, but he said he had to rest Clayton Holmes. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's that's the other piece of this thing oh. is that they're resting guys. Like, I don't understand. He's either active or he isn't active. And if you ask a player, that's like saying, hey, Blum, uh, we're going to pinch hit you here in the sixth game of the World Series. And, that puts the uh, player in a bad spot. You're right. Yeah, it's like ah, I'm not feeling my back's a little tight. Told me not to pitch. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, no player would be like that. So you got to have that trust. But what I do think to your point about so look at right now in the Yankees Guardian series, who would you rather have up with a game on the line, Aaron Judge or Harrison Bader? Right, like. That's your point when it's condensed, right? Bader has three home runs. Judge had, you know, before the last game, he had, you know, eight at bats, seven punch outs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like seven punch outs. It's like, yeah, you want Aaron Judge. He's going to be the long haul. But I think you really, I mean, that's where I don't understand. Who's hot right now? You have to understand that. That's I think that's more to your point because you're going to have hot arms. You're going to have hot hitters. When do you use them? How often do you use them? You know, you're. Dude, I'm with you. Am I going to yeah. put if you just took faces and pictures off of the numbers yep. and you're a yeah. number guy, you're putting Harrison Bader in, which is using analytics. Hello. So we're not anti-analytics. My point is <laughs> is what you just said about old school managers use the analytics and then read the game situation. And as you said, some of the things Dusty did were fantastic. Some of the other things he did, like you said, not knowing the game's going to go 18, but knowing you have a starting catcher as your backup who actually has oh, a little bit better huge. bat you know, is huge. And then you can put him in and not miss a beat and not worry about things happening. And you get rest for Maldonado, which, you know, you don't need mm-hmm. rest, but it's like, hey, they each caught eight, you know, eight innings of that game, nine innings of that game. So I just think we, I, we've gotten away from, and this is what I'm saying, the Dodgers, the Yankees, maybe some other teams, they feel like they're not reading the game. They feel like they have a game script. And I think what we learned mm-hmm. with the NBA, no, the true. year that the what we learned with the NBA, the years that the Warriors were trying to beat the uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls uh, single season record was the year they lost in the finals and they were just burnt out. I think what you touched on is something that needs to be thought of. If you were a VP, a president of, uh, of baseball operations, or even a GM, you have to win in the playoffs. So how yes. do you build your team? Do you care <laughs> that you won 111 games or would you rather win the World Series? And I think that you just touched on it. 
these guys are going for the World Series. No one's ever going to remember that the Dodgers won 111 games if the Padres or the Astros hoist the uh, hoist the World Series trophy. And I think that that's where maybe that would be a shift in the game. If I'm building a team, if you're a GM or a president of operations, I'm looking for the manager. We know it's pitching and defense that wins. We know you got to ride your horses. I mean, Garrett Cole, it's a great example. You paid him $300 million. He's the only one that's won a game. The rest of the staff is so-so. In Houston, you have a pretty damn good staff. So now you have Verlander, and you have, like you said, Urquidy and, uh, and Garcia are even in the pen. Fromber, so now you have I mean, McCullers yeah. and Fromber, and I mean, they're— <laughs> They're a force to be reckoned with. So anyway, we could go off and on and on and on and off and on and on and on. But I do think the analytics need to be used correctly. And I think that's what we're seeing in baseball where I just I just don't understand. I mean, Dave Roberts, mm-hmm. you would think, has worn out his welcome in Los Angeles. And probably for his own sanity, you know, he would probably <laughs> look for another opportunity. But he's doing what they're telling him. And that keeps his job and that keeps everybody happy. But I think the Dodgers, if they're going to do a reset, need to look at how to win in the playoffs and not how to win, as you pointed out, in a 162-game season because their definition of insanity do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. So let me ask you this. The Mets were a 100-plus win team. The Braves were a 100-plus win team. The Dodgers were a 100-plus one team. The Astros were a 100-plus win team. Three of the four are no longer in the playoffs. Are those teams right to gripe and complain about the setup, having those five days off? Because they're obviously complaining. And I said this before the playoffs. I said, if the Yankees lose in the DS, if the Dodgers lose in the DS, Rob Manfred will step in and say, oh, we need to change the playoff structure because they want those big-ass market teams in there. Uh, what, do, what do you feel about that? Do you think they should change it or should the better should, should you play better? Uh, I think you should play better. I also think we need to ride it out a little bit too. So, I mean, we just touched on something that I hadn't heard anybody else say anywhere else, which is, you know, the we got to look deeper at the 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 way the clubs are structured in terms of why mm-hmm. they lost, not because they had four or five days off. Now, um, I think Casey Stern asked you this yesterday. I mean. The Astros, you know, without the uh, <laughs> without the Jordan home run and that crazy first game, could have been yeah. down, you know, one game to none or two games to none, and we could be looking at a situation now. Hey, put up or shut up. The Astros said no, not on our watch, and they came back and kicked some ass. But exactly, I mean, the Astros. I mean, that was you know they're down seven. What is it? Six nothing or you know six to three, yeah, and like then eight to, to one, two. Six to, yeah, dude, yeah. It was crazy. So anyway, that was crazy, but. You know, I don't think it's the layoff. I I do think this year could be an aberration, and maybe mm-hmm, you know teams true. are going to reevaluate how they're built. But I mean, I don't think the Astros would go for a reset. I think you know you got to play no. better. You got to be ready, and you got to play better. And you get all those games are at home. There's no travel, so you know. Yeah. I mean, the Phillies had to beat the Cardinals three games at home. Um, and same with the uh, the Padres had to go. Let's see, right? Didn't they have to beat the Mets three games in Shea Stadium yep. or Citibank Field? Sorry, Shea Stadium. What the? How old am I? Shea Dude, Stadium. How old are we? Shea Stadium. Yeah. I remember anyway. that's where Jimmy Hoffa was buried. Yeah. So let's let's ride it out a couple years. To be honest, I mean, if this became like a pattern, I'm, I'm with you. Then there's no advantage, right? I mean, if it's like, hey, all the hundred win teams, you know, yeah. lose, then. But you, but you and I, I think both agreed. I don't know if we if we hit on this too much, but you got to reseed after that wild card round. Yep. I agree. 
They do that, yeah. like you said, in hockey. Yeah, because, so this was brought to my attention, which I wasn't aware of, but right, like you said. So if the Dodgers and Mets had won accordingly, like they had come out, mm-hmm. you would have the Dodgers as a 111-win team playing a 101-win team as the Mets. And then you would have, what would you have, the Phillies playing? Yes, um, Phillies playing uh, the was it? The, it wouldn't be the, Bra- the Braves. Well, it would have been St. Louis. It would have been St. Louis or Philly against the Braves. Obviously, it's a Philly. Right. You would have had St. Louis, but to your point, you'd rather have the Phillies or St. Louis playing the Dodgers and the Mets yes. playing the Braves because the Correct. Braves are the second seed. Well, and because they earned it, right? So that's why yeah. you'd reseed, and that's the whole point of winning a hundred eleven game. If you're not going to give it, any benefit for yeah. winning. A- Right. If you're not going to give any benefit, I guess you do get the buy, the first round buy, which is what you were saying. Yeah, but, but you I do should think play it's the aberrant. lesser team. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I think there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you earned, right? I mean, yeah. that's what you earned. And that's how they do home field advantage for everything, right? Like now yep. in the World Series, home field advantage is set up by the team with the best record of all, you know, overall. Yeah. The Dodgers so. losing gave the Astros home field advantage through the World Series now. <laughs> But guess who's going? Get speaking of shifting momentum Uh-oh. and shocking the world, Tuttle and I in fantasy football might be arguably the two best teams in the league despite our records. Congrats, Tuttle, on back-to-back wins, man! Yeah, two wins in a row. We talked about that on what's on tap, and uh, now I get to face Blummer here in week seven, who's got a bunch dun, of teams dun, dun. on by. So one of us, as we said, will come out of here with a three-game winning streak. I think mm. I know who I want it to be, but mm-hmm. you know we'll have to see. We're going to have to hit the waiver the wire game. hard this week. That's why they play the game. So, yeah. So I went from griping. I had lost, boy, I well, I lost three or four in a row to end last season. I lost four in a row to start this year. It had been points. a while. You still, I, just, yeah. just so everybody knows, I'm three and three, Tuttle's two and four, but Tuttle's scored like 75 more points than my team has. Yeah. And that's after you just, you boat raced the whole uh, league this, this uh, yeah, week, I, I think. I've, I've, you had them. Yeah, I passed out, yeah. blacked out, and scored, yeah. <laughs> Too many points. You should have saved them. I always want to save those weeks. You know, there are those right? weeks where you beat everybody. You're like, I would have beat everybody this week. I should get a win. This anyway, was the one so, week that I had all my points playing. I literally had like maybe five points yeah. on the – I had Allen Robinson who finally caught a damn touchdown for the freaking yeah. Rams. I mean, I almost cussed a lot right there. For the freaking Rams, you know, and he was on my bench and he was my worst – he was still my worst guy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And he caught a touchdown. He was your worst guy. So, you know, I said this, we can probably say this every week. It's really interesting, but the, uh, the parody in the NFL is unbelievable. I mean, yes, there were some upsets in college football, but man, you know, watching the jets go up the Lambeau and, you know, seeing the green Bay only score 10 points. You're like, all right. Like anybody can beat anybody. Jacksonville was up. I think I'd ever see that. No, Jacksonville was up 14, nothing, I think on Indianapolis. And they were, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it was 17, nothing. And the, Colts came back and smoked them. And you're like, what in the world? Like, you know, and everybody said the Niners are going to go to Atlanta and kill them. And that didn't happen. It's like, you just, it's a week to week, man. Flip a coin, see what happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, but all I know is this week, I need a W in fantasy football for bragging rights next week. And then by next week, we're going to know who, who... Who uh, who's facing off in the uh, the championship series? Uh, the rain delay obviously caused a caused a little problem. So why don't we finish well, with that, Blummer? Who is yeah. going to win tonight, and who are the Astros going to play in the ALD uh, ALCS? My my gut is telling me that the Indians will win. I just feel 
you know, with everybody, all the bitching and moaning and the griping and, oh my gosh, if we, even if we win, we have to travel to Houston. It's no rest. They're already setting up, they're already handicapping themselves as far as the pundits and fans for the New York Yankees saying, oh, we're going to, there's no chance. It favors the Astros. Well, of course it does because they actually won their series in the appropriate amount of time. And (laughs) both teams in the American League Division Series had roofs. Yep. And that's how you play games and know you're going to get those games in. Uh, so I, I'm picking <laughs> Cleveland. I just think they're, they're going to out-hustle them, out-play them. You know, and there's nothing, there's nothing more scary than a team that has nothing to lose. And the Indians are good and have nothing to lose. And I think a lot of pressure is going to be on the Yankees out there in the Bronx, and they just don't have the pitching. What do you got? Yeah, I got to agree with you on the Guardians. I mean, it's going to be tough to win out there. I actually want a couple of things to happen based on what we discussed today in the podcast. One is I want the Guardians to win because I do think our hot stove discussion over the offseason will be old school managers. We have Bob Melvin and mm-hmm. Tito Francona and uh, and uh, uh, Dusty. Well, now I can't even think. Oh, Dusty and Rob Thompson, who's new. So, yeah. I mean, that would be a fantastic way to to kind of head into the hot stove discussion with you know what's happening and how you're going to build your team for the playoffs. The other thing that I think is is fascinating with what you said if the Guardians win is that uh yeah, I mean, I don't hear the the pundits and all the, you know, the griping and the complaining, but man, it would just be uh I don't know, it would just make for a better off season to see um to see the World Series be the Indians and the Astros. I'm sorry. Guardians. The national yeah, the the championship series be the Guardians. <laughs> I do the same thing. Guardians and the uh Astros and the Padres and the uh and the Phillies. And I think both those are like kind of hardworking, you know, good stories, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Um, and then as somebody pointed out, you know, the Yankees are the big giant. Man, if the Guardians give everybody a run, they're kind of still the last underdog, right? Like the yep. Cubs won, the Red Sox won. We're not saying that the Guardians are going to beat the Astros, but, you know, it's a good story, man. Tito's a, Tito's a hell of a manager. Um, I want to finish with this because it was the last thing on my I've mind. I've got one more question before all right. for you. What did you think about... Thing? What did you think about Naylor's like? Look, rock the baby while he's running around. This I don't like that shit at all. I don't. I, I mean, it's too much. I'm all for the yeah. bat flips. If he if he would have done that Thank in the you. dugout, yep. I would have been like, okay, he did it in the dugout. But run it when you're losing, and that I yeah. the whole situation and you lost the game. Odd. That was yeah, odd. Would, and Garrett Cole's even if like he was doing it as a if if that you know I would even be uncomfortable if that was a walk off. You know, I'd have been yep. like, damn, bro, really? Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, and the reason I have a problem with it is because what does it do? It goes right here. Me. Look at me making fun of that guy. Look at me. And guess who strikes out more often than hits a home run against Garrett Cole? Josh Naylor. So you get that one time and then you're going to rock him to sleep. How many times has he Mm. rocked you to sleep? You know what I mean? I don't know. But I just hate the fact that we're talking about Josh Naylor, not the Guardians. That's well, I'm glad I'm glad that I brought that up because I had it as a little side note. But I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be a line that hitters can't cross. And you and I have had a few disagreements about like pimping home runs or walk offs mm-hmm. or. But if it's a team thing and it's done out of excitement, I think that's where we always agree. But I mean, if I were a pitcher, I mean. Yeah, every time I face that guy for the rest of my career, I'm going to do a little rock something or, you know, punch out, rock you, punch out, rock you. Like mm-hmm. now you've created some animosity and some tension between individual players in a team sport. And I just yeah. thought it was inappropriate and it wasn't a walk off and they lost the game and Naylor punched out like the time before and the time after. Like, it's I mean, all kinds of wrong. There's so many things. Anyway, you said you had one more question. 
Yeah, before we get off this podcast, it's been a lot of fun. Been very, very good banter, highly cerebral in this. So (laughs) my question to you is, if you were commissioner of Major League Baseball for a day, Mm. what what would be something that you would do on that day? Wow, that you did you did tee that up earlier. Well, one thing is I wouldn't change all the rules next year. (laughs) I wouldn't put three (laughs) rule changes. That's why we ask. I wouldn't put three rule changes in in one uh, in one year. I mean, let's let's mm-hmm. do baby steps. You know, what do we have? The bigger base and the c- clock, the pitch clock, Shifting. and then the no shift. It's like, yeah. come on, too many things. You know, to be honest with you, um, I actually am thinking more globally, like fan wise. I like the netting. I've been watching some of those yes, rockets hit to. the net, and you're Oof. starting to think, oh my god, like they should have done that years ago. The net doesn't cause any problems. I, I really like that. But to your point, why don't we make some parameters around, like you said, uh, like a dome stadium or you know some netting, you know some uh, some way, like you said, to guarantee that the games are going to be played, especially when it's so revenue driven. Yeah. Like even yeah, just a little, see? as you said, the other, you know, I don't know if you could do that as as commissioner for a day. Um, I know you didn't give me a whole lot of time to think about that, but I do think implementing a ton of rule changes too, is not good. Curious yeah. in the moment. What, yeah. Why? What were you thinking? Well, I'm ju- I'm just thinking that you build a two billion dollar stadium and you don't put any type of coverage over the top of it, and you can do yeah. it in a way where you don't lose sight lines or you know because nobody wants a roof over mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, but it rains so right. much over there that you wish you did. So find a way to put a roof on that thing, or you know the Astros have plexi- or plexiglass or a window, mm-hmm. but just find a way to. Seattle has has just a roof. It's it's open air, and they just have a roof that they can. It's basically a rolling tarp above the stadium and you don't lose the sight lines. There's got to be a way to, you nailed it when you said it's revenue driven. So if you want to make money and you want to guarantee a game, you want to guarantee you're going to sell concessions and tickets, guess what you do? Put a roof on it and find a way to do that. But $2 billion into a stadium and you don't protect against rainouts, dumb. Mm. Yeah, dumb. What about you though, commissioner for a day? I mean, there's got to be a topic like I didn't think player player driven or player heavy or lockout or anything like that. But what like what's something that's I like your idea. I didn't even think about it, but I like your idea of the rules. I would really pull back on that. I would find a way to to be able to I I would not I I wouldn't eliminate the shift completely because I I get the shift. Because again, I know that you're not, but I like the analytics and I like the idea of trying to increase my chances of winning. I would just keep the I would keep the infielders on the dirt. Put them wherever the hell you want. Keep them on the dirt. You can't move them to the outfield and make four outfielders. You know, you can as long as they are on that dirt cutout, and again, I'd probably have to regulate you know, the, yeah. the, the dirt cut out. That, yeah. Right. <laughs> so Stadiums you don't put it carving out the <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, regulate that, but I would keep the infielders on the dirt and put them wherever you want. I could care less. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about the pitch clock, but I like the fact that you brought up, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just overhaul the game as far as rules are concerned, because I, because I think you're like me where, as much as I like the analytics and creating win probabilities and, and and maximizing your outs, I'm still a purist at heart. I could give a damn about the time of the game. Yep. Me too. I, I just I I like I like the pitch being thrown and going, ooh, that was a good pitch. What if he had thrown this here, Tuttle? Oh yeah. man, you know, did you see how his back arm dropped? What about that guy? You know, would you move the left fielder? And then all of a sudden we have a couple sips of beer. 
And we're like, hey, all right, here's the next pitch. Oh, I love that part. Yeah. Of it. I love the pace of the game just because I like talking, obviously. You know, I, I do too. I mean, and I don't know if it is purist, but we understand baseball from, you know, the time we were five or six years old and continue to play it. And I think the intricacies and the strategy and the chess match going on is something that I've always appreciated about baseball, which is why we get on this podcast and talk baseball mm-hmm. all the time. I love it. Um, I do think I learned this from parenting, and we can finish with this, which is if you're going to implement a rule change or like new rules in the house, like with your kids, it can't be like a, you know, my wife's like, Hey, Hey, like one thing at a time. Like you can't, it can't mm-hmm. come in with like, you know, True. you can't tear down all the old rules and like put up a whole bunch of new rules and be like, all right, everybody, this is what, you know, we're living in a new world. And I feel like that's what implementing like three or four rules. Yes. They've tried them out in some minor league games, but I just think it's just too much too fast. And so let's, whoa, 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 let's hold back. You know, nobody, Nobody, at least in our circle, really loves Rob Manfred. I mean, so so let's, you know, you could probably get a little more um, support if you were doing these things, you know, kind of with, mm-hmm. with, you know, with more consensus and more time and more thought around it. And as you said, maybe we're just two baseball purists at heart. We're like two old men. So anyway, do you have anything else? No, the only thing I've got is at the end of every podcast, we like to give our shout out, give our appreciation to those in the military, both home and abroad, keeping us safe and allowing us to have this much fun and talk about a sport that we love. Uh, All the first responders who rush into harm's way, keep us protected. All the first responders, all of the uh, doctors, nurses, EMTs, uh, all the personnel that is uh, looking out for our health and safety. And uh, of course, all the teachers out there that are doing a great job, uh, you know, nurturing our youth and encouraging them to be uh, better people because they are the future. So we appreciate you. Tuttle, I know you got a couple before we get out of here. Children are our future. <laughs> That's what I think I got out of well, that. I read a song about anyway. that. Yeah, I think so. That'd be good. Um, yeah, if you're over the age of 45, don't, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And as Jeff pointed out, we really do appreciate uh, our listeners and the fact that uh, we get to just come on here and rant about baseball and whatever else we want. We had a really good time today, Blummer. And yes. we encourage you all to get after it and believe it. Believe it. The 0-2. And Rodriguez lifts it in the center right at Dubon, makes the catch, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros are headed back to the ALCS as they sweep the Mariners in the division series, winning a thriller one to nothing in 18 innings. A game that will go down in Astros history.